Welcome to Transformers, the podcast about how business people and policymakers are creating a sustainable future. I'm your host, Kai Embren. Today's guest is Uffe Elbach, a journalist, politician and assistant entrepreneur. He has been Minister of Culture in Denmark and since 2011, Uffe is a member of the Danish Parliament. Uffe is a founder and former principal of the Chaos Pilots International School of New Business Design and Social Innovation, located in Aarhus, Denmark. Chaos Pilot is a three-year enterprising leadership program focusing on project management, process leadership and business development. And with students to be identified as change maker, entrepreneurs and leaders for the future. The program is one of the world's most creative educational initiatives. Welcome, Uffe. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's nearly too much <laughs> to, okay. to, hear, uh, to hear about your own life uh, in uh, one minute. It's yeah. a bit crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But things uh, sort of life is long and, and a lot of things has happened and it's important. Exactly. So let us talk a little bit to start in, in, in the, the entrepreneur world of Cows Pilots. How did it start? From where did you get the inspiration to create Cows Pilots? Yeah, uh, up through the 80s. That's uh, really a long time ago, but uh, still it uh, is very close to my heart. Up through the 80s, I was uh, head of a youth organization in Aarhus, the second city of Denmark called the front runners and uh, we did all kinds of small and large scale cultural events and campaigns with a very social orientated focus and the last big project i was involved with at the uh, front runners uh, before we started the chaos pilots uh, actually i would like to tell that little story because uh, it's a uh, jump back to another time so Today, if you're a young person, you think that uh, everything is on iPhone and Instagram and Twitter and uh, and uh, you have all kinds of information just in front of your nose. But that was not the case back in the 80s. And um, so I'll just uh, invite you back to, the, to a wonderful May Day in 88, uh, where I and a couple of good colleagues, uh, we were young men at that time, sitting around the... Uh, 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 meeting table and in the corner there was uh, the coffee was boiling and everything was really nice it was a beautiful May Day and then suddenly there was a, a knock on the door and I said come in and in entered a beautiful red-haired young woman and she looked at us and said with a very sharp Copenhagen uh, accent so boys what are you up to and they were lo- sitting us three young men sitting around the table said, what? And uh, again, if you are familiar with the dynamic, cultural dynamic in, in Denmark, then there was always a competition going on between the capital and the second city, as well as in Sweden, between Stockholm and uh, Gothenburg and uh, London. And I don't know who, is this, who will claim the second city in, in, in the UK, but in a way, a bit pr- provoking that she came there really... Uh, with a sharp Copenhagen attitude and said, what's up, boys? But of course, we were curious. And uh, she was extremely good at communi- communicating, had a very good cliffhanger cu- uh, communication style. 
And uh, we said, but what, what, what is it about? And she said, but yeah, but we are a group of young uh, people, young, young people in, in Copenhagen who have this very practical project going on next year in September. And we would really like you to be part of that, the front runners in, in Aarhus. And we said, yeah, but what is it all about? And this back and forth communication went on maybe for three or four minutes. And at last she said, okay, what we're planning is, and then she made a big pause, we're planning to invade Soviet Union. And we said, what? And uh, again, back uh, at that time, we still had the Iron Curtain going down through uh, Europe. You still had the Berlin Wall uh, up. Uh, Gorbachev uh, was a rising star uh, in the Soviet Union at that time. He talked about Glasnost, etc. But and of course, something was happening. But still, it was a totally in another world. You had East Europe and you had West Europe, and uh, you couldn't just travel into Soviet Union. Uh, and if you did, it was uh, very organized, and you stayed at specific uh, in tourist hotels, and you were only allowed to to see specific companies or uh, public institution. And there, this young woman. 23, 24 years old, standing in our office in Aarhus and say, we're going to invade Soviet Union and we will send in 2,000 young people across the border, move up to Moscow and have a big rock concert on the Red Square in front of Kremlin. And we said, what? What are you going to do? And the first uh, question we said was, but is that allowed? And she said, but no, no, but we'll figure that out. And the second question was, but th this is going to cost a hell of a lot of money because you, you're going to to get people over to Soviet Union. You have to uh, secure the security, uh, safety. You have to uh, food and shelter, uh, tons of, uh, tons of uh, recruitment for the state's building and the light and the... Uh, sound equipment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, and, and she said, but, oh, come on, guys. If you're with us, we'll manage. And then uh, we were sitting there and said, whoa, should we do it or not? And then we said, of course we should. And then for the next year, we were working day and night on this project. And in September uh, 89, uh, we started two big kind of uh, carryments. One going up through Sweden and into Finland, through at that time Leningrad, now St. Petersburg, and up to Moscow. And then another one going through Germany, Poland, and all the way up to Moscow. And um, so we did it. Two and weeks before the concert was going to happen, the city council in Moscow decided we can't do it on the Red Square. You have to move it in front of the uh, University of Moscow. But we did it. Uh, so there we were, all these young people from Scandinavia in Moscow. Around the, the 3rd of October, we had rock uh, musicians coming in from both, both Denmark and Sweden. We the stars tonight. And uh, we were standing there together with local young kids from Moscow and with a all the military personnel around us uh, securing uh, securing that we wouldn't uh, make any rebel activities. Anyway, there I was standing on the Red Square some days later and was asked by a group of journalists from Denmark, so Uffe, 
when do you think anything important will happen in Soviet Union? And uh, I said, it's going to have, something is happening, but I think it will take maybe 15, 20, 30 years from now, because the power structure in the Soviet Union was so powerful and still the majority of people were scared uh, and had no uh, vision and hope for a better future. Uh, so I thought maybe it would take at least 25 years. And what happened one month later, the Berlin Wall came down. And for me, that was example of how we were not listening uh, good enough to the weak signals in society. Because if you look back with our knowledge now, you could see a lot of stuff actually was happening in Soviet Union, but we were not aware of it. So when we returned to Denmark from this trip and this project, which is the most crazy project I have ever been involved in, we were asking ourselves the very simple question, what kind of education should we have had to do what we were doing? Because at the, at the university, we haven't had any training to negotiate a contract with the KGB, no way. And uh, at the university, we haven't had any training about how did you, uh, how, how will you make conflict solving with the Russian mob, etc. cetera. Uh, so out of this really deep discussion about how do we secure that young people are ready for the future, which is uh, heading towards them, both when it comes to qualification, but also broader competences. And uh, out of this uh, discussion, we started to understand that there should be a need for a, a totally new kind of education institution. So, and in, in a very, in a way, nearly banal way to express it, uh, that only, both trained your head, but also trained your heart and trained your action ability, your hands. After yeah, a year's uh, concept developing, we were able to open the doors for the first group of students at the Chaos Pilot program, August 91. And um, the name in itself tells it, in my opinion, <laughs> very straightforward that, that you need to be a good pilot to navigate through chaos and be secure. Uh, so you're secure that you're able to land safely on the other side. And even if it's, of course, a very black and white way to describe it, I still think that uh, what we did back then in the early 90s in Aarhus with the Chaos Pilot and the school and the program still for sure exist uh, and are very vibrant today, we were able to set a totally new standard for learning. And how do you motivate students so they are able to unfold their talent on the highest meaningful level uh, for them and uh, <clears throat> for the people they are working together with. So the chaos pilot are, in my opinion, even more important today than back in 91. But it was born out of a very special, both cultural and uh, politically and philosophically context at that time, because you saw the world structure changed in front of your eyes. You saw suddenly East Europe opened up. You saw 
new technology were created and uh, we started to use it internet as uh, as an example so so it was a very special moment on a personal level for me of course because uh, i was a principal for the fir- first 15 years and it's still uh, maybe the best workplace i have ever been working at uh, but it's also it was also a special uh, period on a on a more on a higher level mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of the thoughts and reflection i still use today was born at that time Well, it was a strong international um, engagement around the startup and, and development. But home in, in Denmark, what did the civil servant in the educational system said, or the politician in Denmark, to set up a sort of revolutionary educational program? It, it, I think there was a kind of a love and hate relationship. The friends we had was really, really good friends. <laughs> and it was... Uh, but the, the in a way the enemies if you could uh, use such a strong they were really our enemies or they made it very difficult for us and the last group of people came from very interesting different position in the society one was from the more traditional educational system where the university more academic environment thought who are they and uh, and uh, if i should be self critical uh, 30 years later we were also very smart. We, we, we had a very, very smart attitude saying we are probably the best education in the world, even uh, we have just started. So in a way, I understand why there was a bit of a, hey, guys, uh, be a bit more humble. But there were ongoing skepticism from the establishment and especially from the right wing uh, politicians in Denmark. That uh, culminated 2003. Mm. So after the school had existed more than 10 years, the conservative liberal government in Denmark was forced by the head of the Danish People's Party, at that time the most right-wing party uh, in Denmark. Mm. And they said, we're not going to sign the next year's finance budget if the chaos pilots are still on the budget. So overnight and I were thrown out of the uh, state f- uh, finance budget in 2003. And that was a huge shock from, for everyone. Uh, but luckily, and that's where our friends came in, because we had very strong uh, support from the Danish business community, which uh, in a way was very nice uh, and motivating, but also surprisingly, it was the business community who saved the chaos pilots first through uh, the foundations uh, uh, but also some of the most high profile danish uh, business figures for example the owner of the lego uh, company uh, kelkirk and i think the danish business community at least the progressive part of the danish business community understood that in the future they need employers staff people who are able to both create meaning around themselves and the people that are working together with some meaning competence, but also relationship competence, how to create sustainable relationships with the people that they work with. And through that, of course, also 
high degree of uh, conflict awareness, how to solve conflicts, and then change competence, how to adapt to society uh, that uh, are changing as fast as it is. And the last one, action competence, that they're able to go from idea to reality. And of course, every one of us has to stand on specific uh, professional qualifications. And that's normally what you get hired by is to know in depth about project management and uh, uh, project leadership, et cetera, et cetera. But the interesting thing is at, uh, what do you get fired by? One thing is what you get hired by. That's normally what program did you attend, from which school did you educate? But what will you get fired by is normally the, if you can't create meaning and motivation around yourself, if you can't be a good colleague and solve conflicts, and if you can't adapt to what, what is happening in the world, and if you can't uh, create concrete results, then it doesn't work. What we, what we saw up through at least the first 15 years where I was involved in the cash pile was the support came from progressive business people. It came from progressive women and it came from, uh, of course, the entrepreneurial environment in Denmark. The people who was negative was uh, people in power positions in uh, the academic world and uh, right-wing politicians in Denmark. And not to overdo this conflict and make it bigger than it was. I think that um, at that time we had, we reflected a lot about the destiny for the Bauhaus school in Berlin, the most important design school ever. And they only survived for maybe yeah, 15 years. And uh, it, it was crossed by the Nazi uh, system, but also conservative forces. It's always difficult for the new to be born. And the people who owns the established domains today will always react, many times will re react negative when the new try to emerge and establish themselves. So I learned a lot about uh, what conflicts are also involved if you want to change the world. Well, uh, that the first time in Denmark, but you also reach out to other Nordic countries. Uh, exactly. And then also I have seen cows pilots in, in South Africa, in California, but how was the so the steps further from from go out yeah, yeah. from Denmark into establish a cow's pilot in in other uh, Nordic countries. Yeah, uh, when when the Danish state uh, the, at that time government, I have to uh, underline that we are back on the budget again. So just so everyone know that uh, we are home safe at, at least for, for uh, now. But uh, took again uh, when. When the Liberal Conservative government wanted to take us out of the budget uh, in 2003, we said, never ever, guys. Maybe if you want to close down the school in Denmark, then we'll just open schools in Sweden and Norway. So it was a very entrepreneurial kick-ass yeah. attitude. So so we approached uh, both the city of Malmö in Sweden and uh, Oslo, the capital of Norway, 
and said, would you like to yeah, establish a Chaos Pilot program? And they did. Uh, so for the next couple of years, there were Chaos Pilot uh, programs, both in Sweden and Norway. It ended with that, that they had to close because uh, the program in Denmark is quite expensive and it's a mix of uh, private funding and uh, public funding. And in Sweden, you are not able, as far, at least not at that time, to have a private education where people were paying a fee to attend. It was not political possible. So it was, uh, it was difficult both for the school in Oslo and, now, uh, and uh, Malmö to secure the quality of the program because it is an expensive education. But we were very happy. I had a... I had for sure uh, uh, this uh, feeling or ambition at that time when I was a principal that in the perfect world, there were chaos pilot programs on all continents. So you could start chaos pilot education in, in Africa on the first year and then continue on the school in the US for the second year and then end uh, at the chaos pilots in Aarhus on the third year. So that was at least my ambition at that time, but uh, <laughs> we were not able to roll that ambition out, but I still think it's a brilliant idea because uh, I was very inspired by American business person, which both became a very good friend of the school, but, but also for me, his name is D-Hawk, and he, he founded the Visa Card International. He, what he did for the financial world, that you could get access to your money wherever you were, I thought if you take that into education, so how can you create an educational system where you could get access to that knowledge wherever you were, uh, were living, or at least uh, in the region where you were living? So, so I was very much inspired by D-Hawk to say, how can we use this new technology, which was new for us at that time, the internet, to, to create a totally unique global educational platform. And we, we tried as good as we could. And I'm very, very happy that the school still exist. And uh, I can only recommend if you are a warm-hearted rebel, young person in the early 20s, mid-20s, they should uh, check out the Chaos Pilots because I think, still, I think it's probably the best education in the world. But the challenge, sir, uh, the system of uh, education uh, as you did, um, and, and you see that um, the welfare state, as those Denmark, Sweden and, and Norway, they, they had problem to accept the, the new thinking. But uh, was it easier to, to develop the, the thinking in, in South Africa and in the US? We said something very, very important is happening, which is not in the textbook yet. So the students were able to get access to that knowledge on the ground with the, together with the people who was involved in, in that specific change process. So when we decided to have an outpost in, uh, in San Francisco back in 95, 96 and the following years, of course it was because of what was happening with the new eco economy, a totally new way of understanding organization and leadership because of the tech development and the interesting bridge between the environment in south of markets in, in San Francisco and Silicon Valley. And it was also there we met D-Hawk 
and was very influenced by by his understanding about how to create very sustainable organization and a totally new leadership take, so to speak. Then when Nelson Mandela came out of the prison in South Africa, we decided to create an outpost in South Africa because our students at that time with their own eyes could see how large change, large scale change in society happens in front of you. Uh, going from apartheid to a rainbow nation. Then when there was rumors that Fidel Castro was uh, stepping down over his throne in Cuba, we decided, let's go and, and create an outpost in Cuba and, and so forth. Uh, so the, the school has always created outposts somewhere on the planet Earth where something important is happening, either politically, economically, tech-wise, culturally and uh, right now i think the outpost is happening in barcelona because uh, what is happening in catalonia and the dynamic between how can you create a regional democracy much more direct involved democracy and what is the reaction from the national state of spain uh, it's a very interesting uh, dilemma to look in, into I love this, the idea of a a global moving uh, classroom. Maybe maybe, uh, you haven't discussed uh, to set up uh, an outpost in Hong Kong. Uh, No, first of all, I can't can't get access to Hong Kong anymore. Uh, I know for some years the Chaos Pilot had an outpost in Shanghai. But uh, the reason, Kai, you mentioned Hong Kong is that uh, the last couple of weeks has been highly dramatic for me and uh, the people I've been working together with here at the Danish Parliament because we had been able to get uh, one of the most high-profile democratic voices out of Hong Kong uh, last week, Ted uh, Hui. And now I'm really, really happy he had been re- reunited with his uh, family in London. But, uh, you know, uh, sometimes you really like to get compliments and uh, get uh, royal orders. And uh, for me, it was a kind of a medal I could put on my, my, my jacket when uh, the foreign ministry in uh, Beijing last week said that uh, they... Outspo- they, they came out with a very strong criticism towards uh, towards me and uh, one of my MP colleagues from the Conservative Party in the Parliament, in the Danish Parliament, because we have very concretely helped Ted uh, Hui to get out of Hong Kong. So I just have to accept that uh, I can't travel in Hong Kong and China anymore. And I know that China are following what is happening in my life. And... Uh, I'm totally sure that uh, we have this conversation. They know that we have this conversation right now. So it's it's another reality. Well, uh, as a change maker, you you have to change, uh, challenge, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, thinking and 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 of course at the borders. Uh, when we talk about democracy, uh, it um, it doesn't have national borders. Uh, democracy has an influence in how you create and build societies. And of course, you, you have different type of systems, but uh, you must have been uh, getting a lot of experience on, on your 
travel on challenges under the heels. Uh, for many uh, people who listen to, to our talk today, and, and uh, uh, particularly the young people, um, how, how could they get in touch with Chaos Pilot? I think they should check out the website. Now uh, all the training uh, language is English, and the students are coming from everywhere in the world. Uh, of course, uh, mainly uh, European students, because it's more easy to get in. That's the problem these days that the close the world is closing down again. And it's interesting that we started our discussion talking about what happened when the Iron Curtain uh, came down and the Berlin Wall came down. And we, there was uh, 10 years, at least 15 years, we thought that now the world is opening up. And what we see today, not only because of the corona crisis, but uh, also before the corona crisis, that... Uh, there's new kinds of walls coming up. And that, of course, worries me, me as a person, but also as a politician. Uh, what is happening right now, luckily, Biden won the presidential election in the US. I don't know where we were heading if Trump had continued, but, uh, but we see the walls uh, are coming up, a much more nationalistic approach on so many levels. And uh, if you know your history, you know what is uh, at the end of that kind of a process. It's not gonna uh, going to look nice. So I hope that we're able to get out of the alley we are right now on our way into on that level. But for a young person who listens to this uh, and have this uh, entrepreneurial value-based drive, don't, uh, and who's not motivated to go to be an entrepreneur just because to earn a lot of money, but to be an entrepreneur because you want to change society in a better direction. I can't imagine a better place to have your education than the Chaos Pilots. And please check out the website. Uh, is it any uh, particular requirements for, for a student to, to get in? Yes. First of all, it's a, it's a small program. So I think they only accept around 35 students each year. And uh, there is an intake process. First, again, check the website out because uh, it's in more detail. But uh, but uh, I still think I haven't, as uh, you can understand, not been part of the school for many years now. But uh, I'm still a very close friend of it. So there is a there is a both uh, some uh, assignments you have to deal with before you are invited to a two or three day workshop at the school uh, where you will get. Uh, yeah, be guided through uh, some intense yeah, educational processes and uh, personal processes. Then at the end, they decide who is the 35 best potential students, people who has a talent who will be able to be unfold on the highest level during the next three years. They, they look at the applicants with a much broader perspective than just what is your grades. How have you performed before you uh, in the in the education system before you apply the care plan? They look at, at who are you, what is your dreams, what do you want uh, in your life, uh, what have you done practically before you enter the program, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, so they it's a 
36, 60 grade uh, look at each potential students. Mm. How, how many students has going through the cows pilots? Uh, yeah, now we have to count. <laughs> it yes. started in uh, it started in ninety one. There were a few years where we were not able to take uh, students in uh, during our crisis in the early uh, zeros. But uh, otherwise, they have produced thirty five students each year. So I don't know how much that counts yeah. up, but uh, <laughs> the, but but the, I think there's around uh, eight hundred educated uh, chaos pilots out there and uh, what i really like about it is that uh, they go in all kinds of directions of course because it's a very individual even if you are trained as a team it's still very individual strategy for each of, uh, of the students Today, when I meet students, the former students, they are sitting in all kinds of positions. Uh, but what is interesting is that uh, a lot of them have started their own companies. As I said before, one of the one of the really good supporters we had uh, in the early days was uh, Lego. I think everyone knows Legos. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't have to ex explain that. But uh, and I, I still remember that uh, Kalkir, who owns the company, once time said to me, Uffe, we don't get so many applicants from uh, educated cares pilots at, at Lego, because, and we would really like to get more applicants from cares pilots. And I could just say, yeah, but they, they, uh, they are trained well. They want to create their own stuff. So they start their own companies, and uh, that that's that's actually the pattern. You seem to also still keep in touch with uh, some of the students. Uh, yes, uh, yes, for sure. I, I was uh, actually I just had a meeting with a former student yesterday. I said, "So now where are you right now?" And he said, "Yeah, but I had a I had a position at Egmont, one of the big uh, publishing houses in in, uh, in Denmark." But he said, but, but uh, in two months' time, I'll, I'll move to the Danish broadcasting uh, system where I have to totally remake the identity of brand and uh, the, yeah, the storyline. So they are everywhere. Thank you very much, Uffe, uh, for this. Yes, it was nice to meet you. Thank you very much. I'm Kai Embren. Follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn, where I will be announcing the future guests to this podcast. And you can expect about two programs a month. And each guest has a unique story of making business and society sustainable. So find out more. Visit my homepage, kaiembren.org. Thank you for listening. <music>